Hey podcasters, we are living in unprecedented times. And currently our church is not meeting in person. We have moved all of our worship services online. And so the messages that you'll be hearing here on the podcast are part of online worship experiences, which are quite a bit different from in-person gatherings. So there might be breaks in the message where we shift to a different element or I'll refer to things that are links uh, in the description. And so those don't apply, but still we want you to be able to follow along with our messages and stay connected to our church. Of course, in this time, uh, we hope that you are being faithful to give and support your local church. But if Faith Church is your local church, we would greatly appreciate it if you would support us in this season by going to faithinchandler.com slash give or using the Venmo app to make your donation to the username at faithfwbchurch. We greatly appreciate your continuing uh, support during this time. May God bless you and keep you well in this pandemic. Hey church, we are continuing in our series, which is all about being known. And we want to be a church where people are known deeply. They are challenged to become more like Christ and they experience love. And I can't wait to jump into this message today with you, which is in Acts chapter 2. And if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to get your physical copy of the Bible out and read Scripture with me from that physical copy of the Bible. I imagine that many of us have spent a lot of time this week looking at our phones, reading updates, emails, and you're watching this digitally right now. And so if we can just have a little bit of time looking at God's Word, I think that'd be helpful for us and help us be focused and have a little bit more clarity as we're looking at God's Word. And so if that's possible, let me encourage you to get a physical copy. If not, please feel free to read along uh, in Acts chapter 2 in the Bible app or uh, on a device. I just want you to be able to track along with me in God's Word. Um, in addition to everything that went on this week, uh, I got a flat tire on my car coming home and it was dark already and it was starting to rain and I thought, man, I don't want to change this tire uh, right now. And so thankfully, Nicole was just a little bit up the road and so she doubled back and picked me up and I figured I'll come back the next day and, and change the tire. And as Nicole was driving me uh, to the house and I said, I'll just come back tomorrow and get the car, she said a little bit hopeful, uh, well, maybe someone will steal the car before you can come back and get it tomorrow. And she was hopeful because Nicole hates my car. Like she wants to get rid of that thing. And it really has been a source of trouble for us. It, the engine blew up on it a few years ago. And then like three months after we replaced the engine, uh, it was wrecked and totaled. And then we've just, we bought it back from uh, the insurance company and I've been driving it. If you've seen my car uh, in the last few years, you know that the back uh, passenger side looks like it's been crumpled up in a laundry basket for some time. It really looks like it needs to be ironed. It's just a bunch of wrinkles uh, where it was damaged. But the great thing about that damage that it got on the back quarter panel was that it stopped right before uh, where the fuel tank inlet is, where you put gas in the car. And so the engine had just recently been replaced and it wasn't a problem to be able to get fuel in it, so it continued to run. You could drive the car. And when I went back the next day and put a new tire on it, it hadn't been stolen. 
and now that it's got another tire on it, once again, you can drive it. And so it's, it's functional, it works. And it may not look pretty, but it still gets you from A to B, it still gets you from here uh, to there. And today I wanna to talk to you about the fuel that runs our church and runs relationships. And right now we're in a season where things look different than what's expected. Things are definitely different than what we were planning in the weeks leading up uh, to Easter. But this still works because we are still able to run on the same fuel that has fueled this movement for 2,000 years. And the truth is that this is not the first time that there has been a crisis that the church has had to navigate. And by the way, this isn't just something our church is figuring out. There are churches across the nation and across the world that are having to figure this out right now. And I'm not worried about the church because what we know from history is that this movement that we are a part of, that it has survived persecution, it's gone through plagues, wars, world wars, pandemics, genocide, depressions. It's been through all of that. And so this movement that we are a part of, it is bigger than whatever global crisis it is currently facing. It pers persists in the face of adversity. And so this church is going to move forward. God is going to continue to build his church. And so today I want us to look back at where this movement started, how it was birthed in the very beginning 2,000 years ago, rewinding back across all of those difficult moments and all of that adversity, how did this get started? And so look with me at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, where we have the birth of the New Testament church, the birth of the movement that you and I are a part of. Verse 1 says this, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, the people that are gathered here in this passage are the disciples of Jesus. They're the people that were Jesus' followers. They had been following Jesus, and he had been teaching them, and then he had gone to the cross, resurrected, appeared to them, and ascended into heaven. And they were in Jerusalem, exactly where Jesus told them to go and wait for the Spirit to arrive. And in that moment when Jesus was about to ascend, and in that moment when he is telling them goodbye, they don't want him to leave. They have experienced an incredible amount of, of relationship with Jesus. They've been able to walk with him. They've been able to talk with him. They have watched him do all these incredible miracles, and they don't want him to leave. But then Jesus says something that's really powerful to them in John 16. He says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Jesus says, I, I know this probably sounds counterintuitive, but it's good for you if I leave. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. And so Jesus says, it's actually better if I leave and the Holy Spirit comes. Why is that? 
Well, the Holy Spirit was going to come and he wasn't going to be limited to one physical presence. When Jesus came to be among us, he took on the flesh and humanity of a man. He was limited like our flesh is limited, but the Holy Spirit would not be limited. And so Jesus was saying, I'm going to send the Spirit, and He'll be able to help you. And there is a benefit and an advantage to Him being here in the form of a Spirit and in that presence. And so what's happening in this moment in Acts chapter 2 is that the fulfillment of that promise that Jesus told them is taking place. And the church is started by these people who were in proximity to Jesus, but it didn't start until they were filled with the presence of God. And so they had been walking with Jesus and they had been around Jesus, but now they had been filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. And this is so important for us right now in this cultural moment and what we're experiencing, everybody gathering in their homes to watch this service and church continuing online and in small gatherings. It's important for us to know this, okay? The church is fueled by presence not proximity. This movement is fueled by presence, not proximity. And so they had spent time with Jesus. They were with Jesus. But then when the church is birthed, it's because the Holy Spirit shows up and His presence empowers them. It fills them and things begin to change. And right now, you and I don't have the ability to have the same proximity, but we are able to continue to experience presence with one another, and we're able to continue to experience the presence of God in our lives and in our church as it meets scattered across this community in homes. Now, you have experienced the difference between proximity and presence. In fact, you know that proximity doesn't equal presence because there have been times that you've been at home with your family and your spouse is telling you something, but your mind is a thousand miles away. You know that proximity does not necessarily equal presence. You know that there are times that you're there with people, but you're not with them. You're physically present, but you're not present. And so there have been times that we've experienced this, I'm here, but I'm not really here. And there were times that you gathered here in this church building with us for worship, perhaps, and you were here physically, but you hadn't checked in mentally, and you hadn't opened your heart spiritually. And so we had proximity in those moments, but we didn't have your presence, and you didn't experience the presence of God. Another great thing is that Presence doesn't require proximity. So hopefully right now where you're at watching this and participating in this worship service, even though we're not close to one another, we're not in proximity, hopefully you are experiencing the presence of God as you worship the Lord, as you put your mind on the truth of God's Word, the truth of how good God is, and hopefully as we are teaching this truth to you, are experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit, and He's doing a work in your heart and life, even though we're not in proximity. Those of you that have 
moved away from family or you have uh, gone uh, a long period of time, perhaps on a work trip, or you've just had to be separated from people that you love, you know that even when you're away from them, because they're people that are important to you, that you care about, you will, will do what's necessary to be present with them and to talk with them, to call them on the phone, to FaceTime with them, to stay engaged in their life. And right now, all around our world, we have people who have been uh, serving in, overseas in the military, or they have, uh, they've been overseas for work, and they have, they've built this rhythm into their life. It's going to be a brand new experience for us, but we can learn to experience presence with one another, even though we don't have proximity. And what's beautiful is that God has been giving us His presence, even though we are far from one another and far from Him. He has been coming and giving His presence presence to us. And though the disciples were no longer going to have Jesus in proximity, they were going to be able to continue to experience his presence. And actually what we see is that Acts, this book that we're reading in most of the New Testament, that it is the product of a lack of proximity. Luke writes out um, all of this He writes out all of the the works of the church, the acts of the apostles, as a sequel to his book that he wrote about the life of Jesus, and he mails it, he sends it to his friend Theophilus. And so if you look at the very beginning of Luke, or the very beginning of the book of Acts, you see that Luke says that he is writing these things down for Theophilus. Theophilus wasn't there in proximity, and so he wanted him to know this truth, even though they couldn't be together. And what we see in this passage that we've looked at is that they started with proximity. They were all together in the same place. And then the presence of the Spirit came. And verse 4, we see that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And we know that these believers would get together again. But what we see from this chapter forward is them constantly dispersing and going different directions, going to different places to share the message of Jesus. And their proximity would become less and less of a factor in the book of Acts, but the presence of God would be increasingly, increasingly more a factor in the story of what God was doing in the church. And so right now, we're in a season where our proximity to one another is limited. But the presence of God has no limit. He's present everywhere. God is present with you. Jesus said that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, that I am there in the midst. And very specifically, he was talking about a a, a decision that would have to be made. But you don't have to even be together with two or three. You can have the presence of God there on your own. There's this really powerful moment in Paul's letter to Timothy. It's his second letter, and he's talking about when he was on trial, and he's, he's there, and he's, he's, he's feeling lonely. And he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16, he says, At my first defense, or at my first trial, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. And so Paul is standing trial, and he's standing before these Roman governors, and he's talked about the fact that Titus and Timothy are serving elsewhere, and apparently Luke was, was held up, and he wasn't able to be there, and a man named Demas, who was a part of his team, had forsaken him, and Paul is all by himself in this moment. But I want you to see what he says in the very next verse. But the Lord God stood by me and strengthened me. God was with me, and he strengthened me. 
And I want you to know that if you're feeling loneliness right now, you're feeling like you are so isolated, know that God is with you and he desires to strengthen you. That even though this this situation that we are in has caused us to be separated from one another, the Lord God wishes to be alongside of us and strengthen us. I I love this story, so I've told it several times. So uh, forgive me as I tell it one more time to you, but um, there's a missionary named John Patton, and he went to the island of New Hebrides, which is now referred to as uh, Vanuatu. And he traveled from England halfway around the world to go to this island and share the gospel. And there on the island, the people were very antagonistic against him. And there was one night in particular that John Patton had to run for his life because a group of, group of tribesmen had um, gotten, gotten drunk. And when they were liquored up, they decided they were going to go and kill that missionary. So John Patton is running for his life through this forest, and he climbs up into this tree. And he spends the entire night up in this tree while these tribesmen are searching the forest for him. They're they're drunk, and it's dark, and they can't really see where they're going, but they're combing the forest looking for John Patton. And he's climbed up in this tree, and he's just having to be silent in this moment so that he isn't found. And John Patton writes in his biography that that night he spent in the tree, completely alone, separated from family and friends on the other side of the world, surrounded only by people who wanted to do him harm. He said that the Lord God was with him, and he said it was like the branches of that tree were the arms of Christ holding me. And friend, right now, I want you to know that God is with us, And that right now in the midst of this chaos and in the midst of this this season where we don't know what the next announcement is going to be and how this is going to affect our lives, our livelihood, our families, I want you to know that while you might feel cornered or you might feel you are up a tree with no one there with you, that Christ is with you. And John Patton even went so far as to say in his biography that he would rather spend the night in that tree every night than go a day without the presence of God in his life. And so while these circumstances are crazy right now, I want you to know that you don't have to go without the presence of God. He's there with you. So we started off by reading the first four verses of Acts chapter 2. I want you to look down at the end of Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read uh, the last six verses. We're going to read 241 to 246, because what happens is the church transforms in this moment, and no longer is it just this group of disciples, but many people come to be a part of the church, to join the church. And so let's see what happens when all of these people, these new people come to be a part of the church. Verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So that day, they go from about 120 people who had walked with Jesus and were his disciples to 3,000 people who joined them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common, 
and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Now, just some really incredible things have happened from the beginning of Acts chapter 2 to the end of Acts chapter 2. And one of the things that happens is that as the Holy Spirit fills the disciples and they begin to speak in tongues and to preach the gospel, that people who are in Jerusalem for a feast called Pentecost, that they are from all different uh, regions, all different cities, they all gather to hear what the disciples have to say. And these are people who are of different backgrounds, they have different home countries, they have different ethnicities. The passage tells us here that they're selling their goods to give to those who don't have, and so there's a lot of differences in their socioeconomic status. And what I want you to see is that there are these beautiful relationships that are being lived out at the end of Acts, but this is among a group of people that are not like one another. And it's important for us to see that because a lot of times we think that relationships are, are, are strong or relationships are easy or relationships run deep if it's among people that are a lot like us. And I want you to know that relationships are not fueled by similarity in background or ethnicity or status or even stage of life. These were groups of all different types, all different sizes, all different backgrounds, and they were being brought together and they were loving on one another and sharing and being generous. Now, obviously... When, when someone has a shared experience with you, when they have gone through something similar to you or um, you have a lot in common, it's easier to build a relationship or to start a relationship. And obviously, when we are close with one another, we're neighbors, we gather together for church, that proximity makes it easier for us to initiate relationships and get close with one another. But what I want you to see is that while similarity and proximity might make relationships easier, they don't make, it doesn't make them stronger. That's not what makes relationships strong. They didn't develop these strong relationships because they were all in the same location or from the same area or because they were all going through the same stage of life. It was because of something that they had experienced. So what was it that they had experienced? Well, verse 43 tells us that fear came upon every soul. And, and when you hear that word fear, I don't want you to think of the fear that we're experiencing right now and that we're seeing all around us right now. It isn't that they became afraid. Luke uses this same word. He uses it a lot in his gospel, and he uses it in the book of Acts. And what we see is that a lot of the times that he uses it, it's in a positive sense. And one of my favorite examples of this is in Acts chapter 9. So Acts chapter 9, this incredible thing happens where this guy who's been persecuting the church, we would later know him as Paul, he was persecuting the church, he comes to know Jesus. And his life is transformed and after it's transformed, he begins to preach the gospel. And the result of that is that then the churches had rest. And so the churches in all of these areas, like Judea and Samaria and Galilee, they had rest. They had been chased by this guy that was persecuting them, and suddenly they had rest. And it would be like the rest, like when our crisis is over, and we're like, okay, we've made it through that. They had rest. And then it says, and were edified. That's they were encouraged or built up. 
and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. This incredible thing happens. They have rest and they walk in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost and they're multiplied. And this word here, it's not a fear like they're afraid. This word here is a fear like they are amazed at what God has just done. Some translations translate verse 43, not as, and fear came upon every soul, but rather that awe came upon every soul, that they were amazed. What were they amazed about? Well, we read the first four verses of Acts chapter 2, and we read the last six verses, but there are another 36 verses where a whole lot happens. Peter preaches the message of Jesus as the Lord, the Son of God, the Messiah, to these people. He preaches to them that Jesus is God who's come down from heaven to be present with us, to take on our sins, to die on a cross, to take the penalty for our sins, and offer us forgiveness. The Bible tells us in verse 37 that they are pricked in their hearts. In other words, they experience conviction and they say, they cry out to Peter, what should we do? And Peter tells them that they should believe and turn from their sin. And then as many as received that or they believed that or they accepted that, they experienced all of these things that we read about from the faithfulness and devotion and generosity and community. All of that takes place because they've experienced conviction, they've received the message of the gospel, and they've been filled with the presence of God. And so the awe that comes upon them, it's an awe of the beautiful story of Jesus. It's an awe of the beauty of the gospel. It's an awe of the power of the Holy Spirit working in the hearts and lives of people to transform them. And so the awe that comes upon every soul is not a negative thing. It's not a fear. It's a beautiful thing. The awe that comes upon them is this amazement at what God has done. They were filled with awe at all that Jesus had done for them. I'm married to... Nicole. And we started dating when we were in the 11th grade, and I was 17 years old. But we had been going to school with one another since junior high. We had known each other since we were in the 7th grade. And one of my favorite pictures from this time in our lives when we had gone from being friends and just kind of knowing one another and then dating is this one from when our school had a spirit week. It was a green and gold day, and everyone was to wear green and gold colors. And so someone snapped that photo of us, and this is taking in in February of 2001, and Nicole and I had started talking in a way that wasn't just friends talking in the fall, winter of 2000. And, And something started to happen where we realized that we were more than just friends. We realized that there was something else that was going on there. We started talking all the time. We were talking on the phone. And then suddenly it got to the place where even our friends could tell that something was different and they kept asking us if we were dating. And and then I asked Nicole to to go with me to be my date to our our junior-senior banquet and that's really kind of when our relationship started and this photo was taken very shortly after that. Sometime later, we, we called it what it was and we said that we loved one another. We went from being friends and knowing about one another to just being, coming, being fascinated with one another and loving one another. 
And we've been together ever since. We've, we've been together through some, through some hard times. We've been together through me flipping the script on her and telling her that I want to become a pastor. Me telling her that I'm going to come and pastor a church in southern rural Indiana. I remember when we first came to, to visit the congregation here in Chandler and they drove us through Evansville and Nicole saw like Target and Coles and she's like, okay, I think maybe I can do this. And there have been seasons where we've been separated. There was a time where I was in Colorado for 10 weeks on an internship, and we have remained connected even when there is great adversity and even when we are separated by uh, proximity and we're separated by distance because we love one another. And the whole point of my message that I've been preparing for this week is that relationships run on love. They run on love. But in this context, I felt like it was so very important for me to shift the focus of the message from relationships run on love to emphasize the fact that relationships in the church run on the awesome love of Christ. And so we are not backing down from the mission that God has called us to. We're not becoming less active. In fact, we've ramped up activity. In fact, we have... We've been calling one another, and we've organized teams to make sure that everybody has what they need. And, and if you're not on one of those teams, but you're calling people and checking on them, keep doing that. We want everybody to be followed up on and checked on. And, and that has been one of the most, uh, the bright spots of my week. This has been a crazy week, but calling some of our elderly believers through the week and just talking with them and, and, and seeing how they're doing, it's been such an encouragement. And I can feel the love of Christ bonding us and bringing us together. And what these believers experience and the reason that they had these strong relationships and this strong community is that the awesome, amazing, grace-filled love of Christ, the life of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, that love came flowing into their hearts and lives. And it was so powerful and so overwhelming that it ran over their hearts and it ran out of their mouths in the words that they said to one another in encouragement. And it ran out of their fingertips as they shared with one another and gave to people what they had because those had need. It ran out of the bottoms of their feet as they walked daily to the temple to gather together for worship and to per into people's houses to break bread. It came out of their faces and out of their hearts as they lifted up their voices in praise to God and thanked Him for His goodness and His grace and forgiving them of their sins. And the transforming love of Christ brought them together, freed them from their sins, and led them on an incredible adventure that was the start, the birth of of the church. And brothers and sisters, I believe that those of us who have put our faith in Jesus and experienced his love, that that love pours into our lives today and it is going to empower us to care for one another and love one another and build even stronger bonds in the middle of this crisis. And so the mission moves forward and God continues to build his church and we are transformed by the love of of Christ. And so wherever you're at today and wherever you're watching this, my prayer for you is that you would experience the love of Jesus. 
And if you're watching this and you recognize that in your life there's never been that moment where you have responded like the people did to Peter's message and said, what do I need to do? I need to turn from my sins and call upon the Lord, believe in Him. That's never happened for you. We would love for it to happen today. And so let me pray for you that God will bring this work into your heart and life and you will experience the love of Christ.